what would make you, me, think it was a success? Yes. One, I put my heart into it. Two, was it something that really needed to be a story that needed to be told? And then I said to myself, how many books do you need to sell for you to be happy? And then I stopped and I was like, actually, I don't, it, it doesn't matter. Welcome to the Power Hour, the weekly podcast that will motivate you to pursue your passion and to achieve success. I'm Adrienne Herbert, international speaker, fitness coach, Adidas global ambassador and entrepreneur. Each week, I'll be talking to today's leading coaches, creatives, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, morning routines and rules to live by. The Power Hour is all about taking just one hour each day to help you improve your life and unlock your full potential. Whether you want to build a business, write a book, run a marathon, or maybe you're just looking for a spark of inspiration, the Power Hour is going to help you get there faster. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. Today's guest is a best-selling cookery author and professional chef. She grew up on an army base where she was taught to cook by her mother. This is where she learned the importance of cooking and sharing food as a community. Since then, she has cooked food for international actors and musicians such as Take That. And together with her sister, they have published two best-selling cookery books, appeared in their own primetime cookery TV show and opened a cafe in Selfridges. I'm so happy to introduce you to the author of Eat Happy, a woman who is passionate about sustainability and feel-good, fuss-free food. Welcome to the studio, Melissa Hemsley. Thank you very, very much. I'm very excited to be here with you today. Thank you so much for coming in. I've been so excited about this all week. And today I want to talk to you about so many things. I want to talk about your vegetable garden, about working with your sister, fair trade, sustainability, why we all need to start loving leftovers, uh, cooking for Gary Barlow, of course, and also your book, Eat Happy. So many things. So before we dive into all of it, can you take us back to the start of your journey with cooking? I mentioned that your mother taught you to cook. So can you tell us about when and how you discovered your passion for food yes. and cooking? Yes, absolutely. Well, funnily enough, I think up until about five years ago, I think I've been cooking professionally now for about 10 years, but up until about five, no, no, let's say 10 years ago, since I started, I don't think I would have said my mum taught me to cook because I didn't cook. So she really spoiled us. She was very much in control of the kitchen. Um, my dad was away a lot being in the army and my mum worked six days a week. So when she came home, you know, that was her space in the kitchen. The door would shut. It would be very frantic in there. My whole, you know, me and my mum were quite frantic. Jasmine's more chilled. And so I didn't actively see her cook, but what she taught me, I guess, were life lessons in cooking, which is the most important thing is it's not the actual practical tips of learning how to chop or baking a perfect cupcake. It's the idea of food is fuel, f food is love, food is there to be respected and valued. And you can, you should, you know, we should all be able to open up a fridge or open up a cupboard or a drawer and see a meal. And I think that's the most important thing she taught me. So um, now I totally credit her, but growing up for, for a while between like the ages of leaving home and starting to cook, I'd be like, mom, I don't know how to do anything. Call her up on the phone and be like, teach me, teach me. And I really realize, and now when someone says to me, I can't cook, I go, yes, you can. Everybody can cook. My funniest thing is when someone says, I can't cook. And then I go, oh, you must be able to cook. Everyone can cook. And they go, well, I can do a roast dinner. And I'm like, 
the re- I think a roast dinner yeah. is harder than anything. Yeah, that's impressive. Um, but yeah, mum was incredible. She's from the Philippines. Um, she came over here in her 30s to study, met my dad, um, always showed me um, the sort of, she doesn't like me using this word, but the sort of thrifty, frugal way of eating. She's like, it doesn't sound very sexy. And I'm like, but mum, that's the point. Food for all of it, and probably I'm guilty of it too, F- food for all its colour and gorgeousness on Instagram but a lot of the time I do I'm I'm quite honest and I'll be like this is quite an ugly looking soup but my god is it delicious and not everything is always um particularly delicious to the eye but the most important thing is that you eat it you enjoy it and it satisfies you like what I just bought you to eat in nibble Mm -hmm. on yes I said to you it's a recipe gone wrong it's too dry um and actually I should probably share this more on my Instagram is is a show when it you know goes wrong because I think sometimes people think and you must feel this too that you know everything works the first time Mm -hmm. uh especially when we're running a business things go wrong all the time um actually I was going to post this morning um a coconut carrot cake and I tested it once and it was perfect and then I thought you know I'm gonna give it another go because uh it had coconut flour in it and baking I just always struggle with baking and I thought I don't want to I don't want anyone to go and buy the ingredients and it and it go wrong that would be the worst feeling ever so I gave it another test last night about nine o'clock I was knackered and it was all going well and then it just I just went it's not good enough and then I had to change my plan this morning and you know think of something else and I've got to test it again and it it really it's it's I know it doesn't sound like a big deal but when when you think something's going really well and then it doesn't work you just have to keep going and I would never put anything out there um we're expected to give so much free content and so much free things away but it doesn't mean it should ever be anything less than 100% you know I always imagine people are going to go and buy those ingredients because of me so um while I'm not professionally trained, I sometimes think it's it's been an advantage for me because I can say to people, I totally get yeah. why you don't want to cook dinner tonight because you're knackered. I totally get why it's, that seems intimidating. Um, I totally get why you don't enjoy it. And I'm always looking for shortcuts when I cook. So I always say a lot of my recipes are one pan or one tray yeah. and things that you can reheat the next day or have cold in your lunchbox. Um after I see you, actually, I'm going out for lunch to a Filipino restaurant. Oh, well, nice. I, there's a lovely boom in Filipino restaurants in London, uh, which weren't there so much when I was growing up. But normally I'd have a packed lunch in my bag. Really? I yeah. love there's so many things there that I'm nodding along. And yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So I, especially the fact that, you know, you said things aren't always right the first time. You can change things, mix or it up. Or the third you time. Can, or the third time, <laughs> exactly. You can try things out and not be afraid of one mistake doesn't mean that you have to discard the whole thing. You can tweak it or change it. And not just a recipe, but just generally. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Things take time and practice. And also, like you said, about it not having to be um, perfect. You know, even if you are somebody like yourself, you just, you know, it doesn't have to be everything professional and this and that. Like you said, there are shortcuts, but that doesn't mean it's, you know, you're not a fraud. It's just that you can, you know, find realistic, like, hacks of getting, getting do you know what I mean? Getting it done. Yeah, I think realistic's a good word because I... I didn't used to enjoy being um, on Instagram or going on Saturday Kitchen and all these shows and all these public facing things because I thought if I can't do it perfectly, then I'm not good enough. And then I realized through, I think getting older, I'm gonna be 34 this year, I think getting older, um, I think getting life into perspective and then also realizing that people really respond 
to real life and mistakes and knowing also what I don't know why I always thought I was one rule and someone else was another because I really enjoy it and I love saving you know in the, you know when you're having a quick quick cheeky scroll of your Instagram while you're waiting for someone and you see a see a post and you think I really want to read that and I want to digest it and I want to save it and I want to share it with my friends and I save it and then I go home that night and I read it the the posts that I most enjoy are when people are being real. Um, and I, for ages, was like, oh, I better take a professional picture of this, or I better make sure that there's no splatter from the soup around the rim. I mean, who cares? But that maybe that's, that's real. Because the cookery, I think the cookery industry, perhaps, you know, things like oh, MasterChef and things where it's You're like, right. like you said, it's that thing of perfection and constantly being yeah. like getting scores out of 10 and like the science yeah. and biology of like, I don't know, I don't bake, but I know that certain things seem so precise that yes. as you said, there's no room for flair and like, oh, mix a bit of this try a bit of that it's like no it will it won't rise or it won't you know be the perfect consistency or whatever so maybe yeah. it's those kind of shows that made everyone think that you have to be a right. perfect cook when actually right. yeah the food what it tastes like is better i think more important what it tastes like and how it sits i actually think so much of eating is how do you feel not when it's in your mouth how do you feel a half an hour later or an hour later did it satiate you did it give you energy did it bring you comfort did it relax you it is actually how you feel afterwards it's how you digest it and how it sits with you but you're right you know what i i can't watch bake off i mean i i love seeing snippets you know like when you watch gogglebox and stuff um i and i love i love all the characters and i know i, I know quite a few people that have been on bake off so I love them and I love the concept of it. But when I flick past Bake Off or MasterChef or any of those shows, my heart races. I genuinely get anxious. Yeah. Not because it's my industry, but I find it the, com the competitiveness. But going back then, so you, a lot of people will know you and your sister for Hemsley and Hemsley. Yeah. So together you have two best-selling books and you opened the cafe in Selfridges, yeah. which is fantastic. I've been there. Not for a while though. It was quite a while ago when I went there and it was, everything was delicious. And yeah, there's like lots of different ingredients and like fancy things that you might not have like tried or maybe not fancy, but do you know what I mean? Things that you wouldn't have put. Interesting things. Interesting yes. things you wouldn't have put together and you're like, oh, that sounds cool. Let me try that. So I want to know what it's like, I guess, having a family business, but also working with a sibling. Yeah. Well, yeah, the cafe actually is three years old, um, which is nuts. And a lot of people that, that I know are like, hang on, is your pop-up? How can your pop-up be three years old? It's not pop-up anymore. And that's the thing. When we started it, maybe this again is my... Uh, sort of I always like to think of the worst case scenario I thought well you know what we'll give it our absolute all and it took us a, a, a year to you know eat. We, we actually talked about it for about a year beforehand and then it took a year before it even opened its its doors because it was actually in an old old building that Selfridges own where all the staff and, and head office used to be and then they've converted it and sort of amalgamated it into the shop um and it's in the body studio yeah you're probably your favorite bit where there's all <laughs> interesting things going on um Anyway, uh, yeah, it's three years old. And I remember when we opened up the cafe, so three years ago, it was 2016. We'd had a couple of books out by then, but people were still very wary. And there were quite a lot of haters of healthy food. I think the landscapes really changed. You know, the body studio was quite revolutionary because there weren't very many fitness brands either. Mm -hmm. You yeah. had your big guys um, doing cool, more fashion-y activewear, but all these amazing brands that have popped up over the last two, three years, especially, I love ones that are, you know, made out of recycled plastic and all the interesting activewear. And so we just said, do you know what? We're gonna give it our all. Um, I don't know if maybe to, to our 
detriment I don't know but Jazz and I we're not natural business people so we didn't go right let's make this incredibly commercial sadly healthy food isn't necessarily commercial most restaurants um, I come from I spent three years working for a group of restaurants most restaurants earn money from alcohol so you know a healthy eating restaurant not that I don't drink alcohol we have amazing champagne which is by the way zero dosage which means no added sugar because lots of champagne's got added sugar and we have amazing cocktails and we have kombucha cocktails and all sorts but we just went let's just give it our best shot if this is our chance to advertise what healthy food can be let's just throw everything in there and you know three years ago some things weren't very popular we were doing sauerkraut and kimchi now if you love eastern european food german food or korean food you love kimchi and sauerkraut because it's a flavor thing and when we try to explain it to people that you know fermented foods are good for you lots of people were like no way and now it's so incredible to see that tons of restaurants will have a great brunch menu with sauerkraut and kimchi not saying not taking any credit for this but it's been an amazing learning curve the last three years seeing how specifically I wouldn't just say Londoners even though it isn't London but Selfridges is an amazing international department store and I've loved seeing how people have embraced food my favorite thing actually is when people walk in, whether it be a couple, a family, lots of kids come in, because they're just walking past and they see a cafe. They come in, they don't know who we are, they don't care who we are, they don't even know it's healthy food, we don't bang on about it, and they eat the food, and then at the end, they might spot a cookbook, they might flick through it and go, hang on a minute, was that just loads of broccoli in that? Yes. Was that, is that cabbage that I ate that I really enjoyed? Yes. You know, what is that? So I love it, and it means that we get this, Um, we get constant feedback all day long, seven days a week about what's working and not. And going back to your question, I sort of digress, but that's the cafe. But it for me is amazing because it goes back to how we started, which is cooking for people. You bring out books because you want to share your recipes with more people. You start Instagram because you want to share with more people. But actually the best way to learn and grow is a, you know, a self-taught cook is to feed people and see what they like, see what they don't like. I'm guilty of overfeeding people. You know, I love to see, I love to watch people eat. I know, very, very, you know, slyly from the side. No one wants to get watched eating. Um, But yeah, so we started Hemsley and Hemsley about 10 years ago. It is the longest story in the world, but in a nutshell, we totally fell into it. I wanted to be a doctor up until about age 21. And then I had a bit of a crisis of confidence about 19 and realized that I... I thought, I don't know if I, I think I could have managed it looking back now, but about 19, I just had a real confidence um, crash and I was incredibly emotional beyond, um, I'm, I'm a big fan of emotions. I don't mean emotional in a bad sense, but I just, I really thought I didn't have enough I wouldn't have enough separation to be able to deal with being a doctor and dealing with and putting emotions to bed. And I hats off to everybody um, in in the medical world who who deal with with grievances and all sorts and actually my dad was really ill for a long time and he died four years ago so I spent a lot of time in hospitals working with these people and how amazing they are and strong and cheered people up even when they were giving the worst news ever so it's funny because now I look back and I think why did I want to be a doctor well I loved being around people I loved helping people um and I loved bringing people just options and chatting to them and I kind of feel in a weird way not that being a doctor is the same as being a cook but I kind of get the same buzz Mm. as I imagine doctors get is helping people Mm. a little bit 
Yeah, no, I you completely know. agree. Do you with see that. it? I mean, yeah. that's totally random. But no, it's not. I, I actually think you know. I talk a lot to people about you know food as you medicine, are the same. And fueling yourself, You're helping and, people out. Yeah, but I think with the food and doctor thing, you know, I, well, we actually had um, a doctor who has a food cookery book out because you know food is medicine, yeah. and we all have to eat every day, and you know what we put into our bodies is incredibly important. So I don't think they're a million yeah. miles away. But I think even with you too, exactly is the same as we 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 we've chosen a path where we get to help people and hopefully inspire them um and i think and and give tips and and do it also that was that was where i was coming from when i sort of started this company i sort of was like oh gosh my whole life i've wanted to be a doctor i don't know what i want to do with my life so that was that i was also working for a um a barefoot shoe company for about five years which was super interesting because it was all about feeling the way that um you know basically getting in touch with your feet feeling the ground what you know living as nature intended which is sort of what I do with food now is is I try and eat as natural as possible and a a variety as possible jazz was modeling and had been modeling for years and years and was really really good at it and you know I think with modeling it's an interesting one because there are so many beautiful model-esque girls and men in the world but it's also a very competitive industry and it's all about personality as well and have you met jazz yeah 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 so you know i think i think she was amazing at it because everybody loved working with her so that was an interesting one she was very good at it and she had all these people that adored her and yeah i can um, imagine that yeah. both of you you've yeah. both got that energy uh, and that enthusiasm that when people meet you they want to be around you they want to i'm sure like you said work with you again they want to you know you've both got that infectious energy thank you i i feel the same about you (laughs) mutual (laughs) it's mutual love life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much like unexpected medical costs that's why united healthcare provides health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs learn more at uh1.com So the story is, is that about 10 years ago, um, I was sort of between jobs. I was sort of working in food, hospitality, the restaurants. I was falling in love with food. I remember not really ever having had asparagus. I mean, I'd had asparagus, but I hadn't really understood that it that there was a thing as asparagus season. And I was running sort of what I call births, marriages and deaths, weddings, christenings and wakes for a group of venues. They're very lucrative. <laughs> so I was sort of in charge of that. But one of my jobs is I had to get the chef to you know I had to sort of get his menu and show it to get people to sign off it and that was one of one of my many jobs in that in that space and I remember one day he was texting me and he was like can you look out for a very very VIP delivery and I was like what is it and he was like it's the first asparagus the asparagus are coming and I was like I didn't really understand seasons at that point I was about 20 and he just he, he sort of introduced me to why it was so important to eat seasonally and why he it was so important to know your suppliers and love your suppliers and look out for your suppliers and pay attention and build your menu around your suppliers i mean he would always be like the most important people are the suppliers and the customers and it's about making the customers happy and the way that you can make them happy is make sure you're serving them the very best ingredients and the very best ingredients are the ones grown by people who love what they do in season and in and in with nature so that was a massive learning point although i didn't see it then i didn't know i was going to get into food back to jazz people would always say to her, how are you so energetic? Like she was definitely a model that loved her food, used to bring her food in because my mum would always say, don't buy food, bring your own food in. And she still does. And long story short, we decided, um, we, we both were had friends that 
didn't know how to cook and everyone would say let's go out for dinner all the time and again growing up my mum was like don't go to restaurants why would you do eat at restaurants when it's you can do better at home so we both independently were cooking for our friends and then long story short this is a, say I told you it was a long story and this is even a short one <laughs> short someone in a band take that who we never I'll tell you that bit in a minute said oh I heard you guys can cook and I I, I would love I'm looking for a private chef I've been looking everywhere for a private chef and we're reforming so it was all a massive secret you know we're reforming and um, I need your food was this Gary Barlow this someone, wasn't someone this was someone else and take okay, that okay. Gary was the second and we were like oh my gosh luckily I was a boy's own fan that is <laughs> otherwise so... I would have found it incredibly intimidating not that I didn't love take that but I mean I was slightly younger I was more Jasmine was more the take that because she's five years ahead of me and I was you know like Ronan Keating's biggest fan um I can't even say the words Ronan Keating without getting a shiver um and we just went okay we'll help you out for a, for a couple of weeks I was on a sabbatical and we were like we'll find you someone so you know we were saying before you were like have you had any moments where you've n- never done anything before and you're like can I do this and I thought to myself actually Jazz was the one that was talking to me and I was like Jazz we can't do this we're not private chefs and she went but he wants food cooked for him with love that's all he wants um and she was like we're amazing at that and I was like okay let's do it then and on the first day I remember walking out of his house bouncing and being like that felt amazing because I I was like hang on how's this gonna work am I just gonna be like tucked away in a kitchen like sort of serving this person who's in a band and thinks they're you know couldn't have been further from the truth he's an amazing amazing person cooking for him watching him eat getting the feedback going to the markets in the morning picking what was fresh cooking it knowing that I was making him happy knowing that I was giving him energy to go and take on stadiums so I fell in love on the first day and we never ever talked about take that until Gary bought a book out um at the end of last year all about it yeah and oh, so yeah, we ne- his, yeah his so we, we never talked about it and no one and, and and from then we cooked for the whole band and then all of the band's friends actors and so on and big names and people that were in the theater and then people that were moving to LA and wanted advice or like where they could eat and we never talked about it no one ever said don't they never said please don't talk about me or make me make me sign anything but we didn't because we thought I I bet I bet we're an annoying prospect. We're two smiley, big teeth girls cooking food, not trained. And then what? We're going to drop drop some celebrity names in. You know, it's all going to become a little bit faddy. And actually, all we're talking about is lots of broth, lots of soups, lots of ginger, garlic, and onions. Like very much my mum's side, Filipino cooking, lots of leafy greens, lots of soul food and comfort food. And we didn't want that to get lost. And to be honest, anyway, for the first two three years, we were just cooking. And it was only after that, about two and a half years in, you know, we literally didn't come up for air. As you know, running your own business, you don't come up for air. Two and a half years in, everyone had been saying, all of our friends and their friends, can you write the recipes down? We didn't keep any recipes. No one had taught us how to write a recipe. And someone went, start a blog. They'd been saying, write a blog for ages. And I only followed one person on a blog, which I didn't really even read. I just thought it was quite interesting. And I remember one day just sitting down and going, okay, I've had write a blog or set up a blog on my to-do list, my little Virgo to-do list. I've got to tick it off the box. And I remember Googling, how do you start a blog? And it said, you know, you can do a Tumblr or you can do a WordPress. And I was like, oh, uh, Tumblr, just do Tumblr. And that's how it started. And then I realized no one's gonna read our blog posts. So then I was like, we need to find somebody 
to partner up with. And most magazines didn't have an online at that time. Only Vogue really had it, vogue.co.uk. So I asked every single person I knew, if they knew anyone at Vogue, got a contact, literally after asking everyone, wrote to them and went, can we write a recipe for you? We didn't even have a recipe at that point really. And they were like, okay, can you give it to us tomorrow? And we're like, shit. Sure we can. Right, right, but exactly, yes. yes. And then we wrote a recipe and then it just sort of went nuts. I have so many things. See, long story, sorry. No, I love it. And I just really hope that people are listening and just taking away those things. So as you said, you know, saying yes, you know, to the opportunity, but even before that, you know, having, you know, like you said, people have to be, trained you have to have done it like this done it like this follow these steps to achieve x but there's so many different ways to do it yeah and you know i think having the you know being brave i guess to go you know when your sister said to you we could do that we yeah could definitely do that. that's me yeah. i say that to other people all the time whatever it is i'm like you could do that you could definitely do that you're brilliant at that go for it and they're like what are you talking about i don't know this i don't know how to get started i don't have the contacts i don't have this that and the other there's 10 th- reasons but i'm like it doesn't matter if you really want it and as you said you know you were like i really walked out of that house bouncing so you knew that you were like this makes me feel good I want to do this you'll find a way exactly figure it out and I think an important thing as well is you know what 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 did that person want and what did I want to give that person I was not and I'm not a nutritionist I was not and I'm not a professional chef I was very honest I'm going to cook you food that I love to eat that makes me feel good and that's what he wanted so you know the the that was it that was the total brief um, and it doesn't have to be that complicated. Um, you know, if someone wants nutritional advice, they want professional chef skills, they can go and get those people. Yeah. You know, that's that's just not me. So I am literally what it says on the tin. Yeah, but that's also brilliant because as you said, they're not you. Yeah. So that is also people's kind of, that's your secret weapon. No one else is you. No one else is me. So, yeah. you know, often people will say, you know, well, there's a, well, actually we've got a question for you coming up about this, but about, you know, I guess in any industry, there's going to be, you know, markets that are saturated or people will say, oh, it's very competitive. And, you know, for example, you have your cookbooks, you know, cookery and um, cookbooks are incredibly, you know, huge market, huge section. And I feel like, you know, often people would, well, some people would say that's a reason because it's there's 10 people have already done that. Or even like starting this podcast, you know, people have said, oh, there's loads of podcasts out there now. Like, yeah, there is. But with anything you want to do, there's only one you. There isn't another me doing yeah. this show this exact same way. So I guess for anyone who, yeah, listening, who is ambitious about starting something and wants to move into a space that they think is crowded, what would your advice be to them when it comes to standing out? Were you quite considered in that with, with yourself? Well, I, well, there's, there's, there's so, that's a great question. So I'm trying to think of all the things I've done and want to do and the way I've talked myself into and not doing it. I mean, so for example, the, the, the private chef business, I mean, we called ourselves chefs because basically chefs are professional cooks, but we always felt like, oh, we're not, we're not chefs, we're not this. And I thought, yes, we are, we cook for a living. With that, there wasn't anything in the market. So it was quite interesting because now I get contacted by a lot of private chefs asking me for my advice on how they can market themselves or um, saying, would you recommend me? Can I cook for you? And would you recommend me if you get asked again? So I've got so many, so many things to say on this. I think an important one is exactly what you just said. Um, No matter how busy a market seems, there is always going to be a place for you if what you're doing is really good and you know in your heart that you would be that customer. Um, So uh, 
sometimes when I bring out a book, you know, you get, you get, and quite rightly, you get asked by journalists, so what's different? Do we need another cookbook? And so I would never bring out a cookbook unless I absolutely knew there was a reason to make someone go and spend that money, a reason to print lots of pages, you know, there's a whole team, a reason for all those people to work on it with me for a year. Um, so do you really believe in what you're doing? That's the first thing. Um, don't be afraid of competition. I've always thought to myself, I think probably my mum encouraged me with this. You know, again, my mum's quite, my mum's quite nervous. You know, she was very upset when I didn't want to be a doctor after years of wanting to be a doctor. Um, but she also was great. And, and you know, not only did I want to be a doctor my whole life, I then didn't even go to university. Yeah. And my sister said to me, she was like, mum's really, mum thinks it's my fault. Obviously everything was Jasmine's fault, but it wasn't even Jasmine. I just realized. So I think that's another thing is don't let anyone else's expectations of you stress you out. I think I was quite successful early on because I had the drive of feeling like I needed to prove something to my mum. Like I didn't go to university mum, but I'm, look, I'm okay. In many ways I took it too far because I did work too hard and put my, put too much into other people's companies. But it meant when I then started my own company, I really knew what to do because I had worked, I'd cleaned floors for other people, I'd emptied the bins, I'd said yes to everything, I'd worked really late, I'd packed up parcels You'd worked hard. last minute. You weren't worked afraid hard. of hard work. Yeah, yeah. and I know that what I know that, that can be the difference between making it or breaking it. And also if you're not willing to put in the hard work, you're probably gonna give up sooner uh, because it all just seems a little bit crap. Um, But you know, I'm very used to not, I'm very used to not having weekends free, very used to missing out on things because of festivals. However, that said, going into my, um, my mid thirties, I've also realized that there are many ways to play it. Everything does not have to be a success overnight. Um, it is not about Instagram followers. It is not about all these things. Um, so I think that's an important thing to say. I used to really worry about would my books sell? And then I said to myself, especially with this one, which is the third one, Eat Happy, it's my third book. Then there's always a pressure, will mm, it do as well as the last? But it's my first by myself. Okay. And so I said to myself, oh gosh, well, you know, will I be able to make it as great when we don't have the, you know, wonderful formula of me and jazz and all the things we bring to it? Or will people be really, you know, looking to see if I can, if I can manage it without being under Hemsley and Hemsley? Will I just be as good by myself? Will it be as half as good? And then I really checked myself and said, your book doesn't even come out for six months and you're already stressing about it. And I went, what would make you, me, think it was a success? Yes. One, I put my heart into it. Two, was it something that really needed to be a story that needed to be told? And then I said to myself, how many books do you need to sell for you to be happy? And then I stopped and I was like, actually, I don't, it, it doesn't matter. Mm. No, the number doesn't matter. I mean, it's not gonna get to a certain number and then I'm suddenly considered a success or not. So I just talked myself through all of this. I'm a big fan of talking myself into things. And actually when it came out, it came out in January, it did well straight away. It carried on doing well. And then I remember like two months in, it was, you know, we were talking about last minute jobs. Got a last minute um, message from Sunday brunch and they said would you come on and I was like great I can cook something for my book and then they were like no 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 we know we know you're half Filipino we know you love Filipino food so can you actually do the bit they have a segment where you like where them and the celebrity guests talk through a bunch of different things They're like can you cook us like five Filipino dishes and talk us through them and I thought oh, wow um I one, the pressure of representing Filipino food. They were like, we've never had Filipino food on. The pressure of representing Filipino food. I was flying to New York at two o'clock that afternoon or something. And they were like, we need you on from like 
you know, be there for myself. So I was like, oh, my out of control Virgo self doesn't like the idea of going and doing that. And then, you know, ooh. so I freaked freak myself out. And then I just went, this is an amazing opportunity to talk about Filipino food. Yes, I can do it. I'll be really honest and say, you know, I grew up with my Filipino mom. Everybody's mom cooks differently. This might not be how you do it. And I went and did it, loved it. And then got on the plane, was just about to take off. And my editor called me and was like, you're number one food and drink on Amazon, number four on all books on Amazon. Wow. And then the phone cut out and, and we were taking Have off. a great flight. Because I probably <laughs> run out of data or whatever. Or ne- yeah. And I just sat there and um, I was like, brilliant. Got a gin and tonic and just sat there and was like, I'm really going to remember. And I'm really glad it happened on a plane where I couldn't text anyone because my phone was off. And I just had to sit there with my gin and tonic and just go... I'm, I'm so happy, not because it's a number and it went to a number, but because actually the, the I was already happy and then it did this of its own accord, not because I stressed about it. I'm not a success because I stressed about it. I'm not a success because I hustled to the point of breaking my own back with it. I just believed in what it was. The opportunity and, you know, came. Yeah. If I do another book and it doesn't go to number one, mm. I'm not going to consider that not a success. Yeah, I think it's really important to yeah define success for yourself. As you said, you know, it's not, you know, how many Instagram followers or how much money or, you know, you have to define that for yourself because otherwise you are constantly at the mercy of all of these other metrics that we can't control and it's yeah. you know and like you said when that opportunity came that was a choice for you to say yes okay I'll do it you know I am busy I'm going here haven't got that much time to prep maybe it wouldn't be in the ideal exactly. recipe that you wanted to do so it wasn't perfect but you still the willingness to try the willingness to go to be yourself as you said you know you weren't saying I'm I know it all you like, actually I don't but this is my version this is my mum's way and you know that's the most I think that's what people value more than anything the real you the real story the real recipe whatever it is the truth not the the what everyone thinks we want to portray as the as the yes. best or as or the perfect i think that's really important and i think everyone really needs to decide what success is going to look like for them or does look like for them because i know i'm guilty of this myself as somebody who wants to achieve lots of things and to encourage others to achieve lots of things is that what we then do is we move the bar. So yeah. you set the bar for yourself. And if you set the bar high and you reach it, you know, like you said, you had that gin and tea and you had that moment on your own to probably be like, <laughs> well done, Melissa. Like, I did. Yes, I you literally, did I was high fiving myself. Which is important to yeah. do and not to just set the bar higher and to move, you know, to the next thing. And you, I kind of guess you already said, like, if I do another book, it's yeah. like you then have the pressure of this. And it's like it can just stand alone as a moment. Exactly. Take a moment and be like, this is a moment that's yeah. it on its own regardless of the before and after yeah and you know what when you just said what def- everybody should define what success is for them i would consider success now being i would i i don't even when if you i would feel happy and successful and feeling like i've had a good day or a day worth living if by the time i get into bed i've you know checked in with a friend or or if i've you know, cuddled with my dog, if I've been outside by myself, if I've had time to read something um, that's paper, if I've had at least, you know, two meals, not having to read an email while I do them, if I've run a bath, if I've done some sort of exercise, not the not necessarily the one I th- I, th- I thought I should do this week because I, I should do cardio this week or I sh- I have to do some yoga to stretch myself this week. whatever I needed that day those would all be my ticks um and actually uh even though I 
I should not do as many to-do lists as I do because sometimes I overdo them. And this is the other thing, just allow, allowing that you, you know yourself. I know I'm a perfectionist. And so when I stray into perfectionism angst, I just, I just laugh at myself and go, come on now. You don't need to do that to-do list or you don't need to do that. But speaking of to-do list, what I do do now is I do um, a gratitude list in the evening. And for anyone that the word, that word makes them roll their eyes, that's cool. I used to think that too. But I just sort of say it as like a little thank you list. And when I get my pen and paper out, I love it because I can't have my phone. And if I ever have my phone in one hand, as I get it out, I go, look at this, I still got my phone attached. Why is my phone still here? I've set my alarm. I don't need it in here. Like I just do a little check-in and laugh at myself. And then I get my pen and paper out. And even if I um, write one thing, that act, one, it helps me sleep because it's sort of like part of my bedtime routine sometimes and it's been amazing when my boyfriend and I have been rowing or 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 grumpy with each other or having one of those weeks when you're like we're really not being very nice to each other sometimes I'll say let's write some stuff down together Mm -hmm. and again he used to roll his eyes and now he loves it and then do you know Venetia Faulkner Mm -hmm. yeah she's coming in very soon oh brilliant so she and I were chatting um uh, on her podcast and she said she likes to do them in the morning mm-hmm. and I was like whoa I was like that's a really good idea because you know why not do them in the morning too you, you've gone through a whole process when you're asleep and I love that idea of starting off the day as well in the morning I think I got really in do you know when I got into my gratitude list is when my dog so what month are we in now we're in almost April yeah so my dog Nelly Who's beautiful. Uh, she is beautiful, She's isn't gorgeous. she? I mean, she is beautiful. Um, and my boyfriend actually just texted me and was like, can you send me some pictures of Nelly? He's like, because I'm going to get her tattooed on my arm. He's he's in, a- he's in Asia at the moment. I was like, good for you. Brilliant. I was like, I'm next. Can I, can I be on your arm next? Sorry, that's just a random thought. But um, we love her. So- the point is, we love her so much. And... I hope, hope not that I'm saying having a dog is like having a child at all, but I really feel like being my boyfriend, we're quite a good team as, as dog parents. So I hope we'll be good as, as, as parents' parents because, you know, you do have a lot of poo and wee and sleepless nights um, and have to organize your life around them. Anyway, that's the side. She almost died in May last year. We just woke up one day, she sleeps between my legs and she was screaming and on the floor and it turned out she had a slip disc in her neck. And it was terrifying. And she ended up being in intensive care for seven days and they didn't know whether she'd make it. And I, I, I remember that I started those li- those that list in earnest every night because one, I was beside myself with worry. I missed her immensely because she revolved around me, my life and she sleeps between my legs and it calmed me. And I was so anxious the entire time by my phone waiting to hear if you know she'd taken a turn for the worse she was up in a specialist unit in Cambridge I was like we didn't know whether they had to get in the car or rent we didn't we don't have a car so we were renting a car last minute and I started these lists so I'd really recommend one you don't have to be in an anxious horrible time of your life to do them but especially if you are and especially if you find it hard to wind down and especially if like me you desperately want to take your laptop into bed with you and watch you know another episode of something because it does relax a lot of people get a notebook mm-hmm. and don't do it on your phone. I can't agree with you more. I'm literally sitting here like, oh my goodness, I, mean, I agree. And the thing is, yeah. I do a similar thing. And you know what you said, what you just said, you know, you, it did start at a time when, you know, yeah, you were 
emotionally stressed anxious worried and it kind of it's unfortunate but for a lot of people it does take something to that point it's taken away from you that you really appreciate like you said you missed her and then you're like when obviously thank goodness she's well and you have her back which is great but those you then appreciate it so much more and i think by doing you know a gratitude list whether like and then it's funny that you said about people roll their eyes because call it something else yeah, yeah but even if they do like i think it's it's, isn't it funny that people have that reaction in the first yes, place because they just true. think it's this like I don't know naff thing but actually the the practice of it and the the feeling of it and to really appreciate things that you have now because you may not have them forever life can change in an instant I've certainly learned that the hard way in my life and yeah being grateful for things I don't care if people roll their eyes I say it every day I'm that person you know motivation this gratitude that and I don't mind if people but I don't mind because I'm just like that's I've got a really to, good point I can't because I know how good it can make you feel I know how much it can change your entire life yeah so please listen to Melissa give it a try (laughs) I've got to talk to you about the power hour this is the power hour so my power hour is early in the morning I get up early everybody who listens to the show knows and I've been excited to ask you this question because I have no idea what you're going to say certain guests I already know you know I've had athletes I've had this person I know what the kind of what what their morning is so Melissa you're someone with lots of energy like me what time do you get up in the morning and what's the first hour of your day like so I am normally a 7 a.m. Okay. Um, I, I'm normally a 7 a.m. Which suits me quite well because I have to work a lot of evenings. So seven's good for me. Um, I would love to get up a bit earlier. Um, sometimes I do. And I have read some amazing books. There's a book called Mornings by Alan Jenkins, who's the Observer Food Monthly editor. And he's also obviously an incredible writer. And I went to a talk with him where we were at a country hotel and he took us for a walk at five in the morning. And we listened to my life. Yeah, we listened to the dawn chorus and we looked at trees and we smelt the air and it was pitch black. And I just have been obsessed ever since. And also my friends Nadia and Katia and Lorraine and their self-care rituals and this whole idea of, you know, when it when it was dark at seven in the morning, waking up with a candle and, you know, pulling open the window and letting it flood in. And I'm all over that. I think I'd wake up a bit earlier if my boyfriend didn't, he's an art. So a lot of the time he has to be on his phone with America. And so he stays up late. And I used to try and match my hours with him a bit more because I wanted to spend time with him. And then I realized it just got me super cranky and I was super unproductive. So what I love to do is my first hour. So, and I also love mornings because it's when I write the best and whether I'm writing a book or whatever I'm writing, there's always writing to be done. Sometimes, I don't know if people who, who maybe use Instagram more for pictures than writing, Sometimes I can spend like two hours writing an Instagram caption. Yeah, not not because I'm editing it or any of that, but like I really want to say how I feel and there's not much space. And so, and I put a lot of thought into it, but uh, that's my writing time. And in the afternoons, if I've got meetings, I like to do meetings then. And then I like to catch up with people in the evening. So it's definitely mornings. In my first hour, I won't say on a good day or a bad day because I try and not use good and bad because it sort of, yeah, and it it like slightly triggers me that I haven't made it perfect. But on a day when it feels really good and really delicious is I'll wake up, um, I will, um, sorry to get super cheesy, but I'll cuddle my dog. I cuddled my dog before my boyfriend. I'll cuddle my dog. She'll do a little lovely stretch and then she goes back to sleep because she loves to sleep. And I'll probably, depending on, now it's warming up but I'll go somewhere cozy because I'll both be sleeping still and I'll try and meditate and I say try because some mornings it just doesn't happen and I don't 
um, beat myself up about it. Try and meditate. I'll have like a lovely hot tea or something like that. And I'll try and meditate. And do you, do you meditate? No. Well, I say no. Give it a go. I say no. I probably shouldn't say no. I, I use this thing of I pray. And I think that's, yes. I guess, a kind of a meditation. I pray yes. in the evenings. And I say to people that running is my meditation. Yes. Because when I run, especially if I go tech free in the morning very early so I go at half five and I just run I just look around I just let every thought everything I'm thinking everything that I've done everything I've got to do I just literally run um but people have pulled me out and said that's not meditation you're running um you know you you need it more than anybody you're always busy you're you need to sit still and just observe your breath and be centered but I do find that obviously I've done things like that before And I don't know why it doesn't, I don't know. Maybe it's something I should try we, more often, but yeah, I can't say I meditate, I don't. At some point, it will be the right time for you and the right person will come into your life. You might be on a retreat. You might, someone might just say to you, come down and do this class and it will and it will speak to you and it will be right. And that's the big thing is, is I just think that there's, that there will come a point where something, someone, and I do think it's about the teacher. And so I'd say if someone's learned to meditate before and not really got into it, find another teacher you know it's all about how you connect with someone and you're learning something quite special so you yeah you want to learn from someone I learned in Australia with my sister 10 years ago um and he he was incredible and it's so so for me it was easy to meditate but having said that sometimes I really agree with what you said when you said that you that you run and it's just you and you are observing your breath because you're running and you are letting things wash over you so if you like stuff like that, you'll like meditation because you're still, you, there's obviously some technique to it, but it, in a nutshell, it is being still, taking time for yourself and letting things wash over you. So it's kind of what you said. And the interesting thing is though, is I don't always come out of a meditation with like a really relaxed state of mind and feeling really happy. Sometimes it takes me to a horrible place and I come out of it in the worst grump. And I think that people that don't meditate think that it's just either really easy, really hard or always perfect. And if you're not doing it, you're not doing it right if it isn't easy. Yes, it should be effortless, the sitting down and so on, but sometimes it does. Sometimes I fall asleep and I used to fall asleep loads when I was learning and he would be like, you need to sleep, that's it. Just do what your body, and and that's that's it. So I I really encourage if you're interested or I'm not talking to you, it's like anyone that's listening, um, there's so many free classes in, in, cities all over the UK um and you probably find it anywhere in a church hall you know it it's not an expensive thing to learn meditation teachers are really super cool you can have really young ones you have really old ones I've met so many and but sometimes I I I sometimes I genuinely forget to do it and then sometimes I don't want to do it if I'm in a bad mood I don't want to meditate I I don't have time for this I I I have all these struggles as well but then I always know when I do it's like going for a run probably if you don't want to do it you know how good you're going to feel afterwards um like that you said then as well that you can you know even the fact you said you learned to meditate you had a teacher and you're saying about go to a class I haven't I'm honest I've never considered that I think I've always thought you either meditate you sit down and you learn how to do it yourself do you know what I mean? Yeah, but actually, no, yeah. you can be, you need to learn it. You need to, you like, need to you wouldn't it. just teach yourself how to drive a car. So maybe that's the key. Maybe we need to actually learn how to meditate instead of just thinking, oh, I tried it. It's not really my thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But right. I, but I also, I also, you know, I just, I really want to make that clear that it, it doesn't, 
it do, it's not always this zen happy feeling I get sometimes it really throws stuff up you know I've had lots of all sorts of therapies like I said my dad my dad died and for years um I actually didn't want to go to therapy because I didn't want to go over it and meditation can really throw stuff up that you you might think hang on I want to meditate because I want to be really productive today I don't want to think about that awful relationship or that my father's died I don't want to deal with that but what I've realized five years four and a half years on from from say that one specific you know like really important thing of my dad dying a parent dying is so important and specific is by putting off the grief process it's affected me in a way that you know I don't beat again I don't beat myself up about it it was the thing I needed to do I needed to not think deal with it and now I am dealing with it um so I, I just think there's, and going back to eye, eye rolling and how you like love it, I think what's so funny, you're totally right. I shouldn't ever apologize for saying something or even saying you're probably going to roll your eyes. Think back to five years ago or 10 years ago. Yep podcasting people would have eye rolled being on Instagram people would have eye rolled why would you share your life with people what is self-care eye roll um gosh all you people doing yoga eye roll yeah um eating healthy food why are you all eating kale no one liked kale before you know all of this stuff is it's just so funny how mm-hmm. how people's perceptions change you know Imagine, it's exactly yeah. that it's perception like you just said because yeah. all of those things that you've just said and listed I know I've experienced that especially yeah. with Instagram and you know I think when I first started yeah sharing photos you know after a run or this or that people are like what on earth are you doing like why would you you know take a photo of yourself or sweaty and say you're so narcissistic oh you just yes. went for a run look at me oh good for you and it is it's interesting because now everybody every time they go for a run they wouldn't even you know it's like if you didn't post it didn't even happen and it's funny that it's yeah I think culturally you think you know and socially and things change because they become a norm but it's funny how we can't be you know first mover advantage you know you, you did something first which is why you know that gave you um, an advantage however once it's a social norm then we can all do it because you know as people the, the whole thing of followers and sheep we like to just conform we like to mm. be in a tribe we like to be the same whereas when someone does something first that's when I think people are resistant because they're like it's not not everyone's doing it you know yeah but also the inspiring like when when you post the picture of you just from a run I could be on a tube that I mean I'm literally talking about I've seen this has happened to me I'll be on a tube I'll be thinking oh my body needs to exercise I can feel it my 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 emotional energy needs it but I just have got to do this I've got to do this I'll see a picture of you and I'll go I want what she's having. I'm going for that run. And so that's an inspiration. I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I see why some people love to hate on things. But I, I just totally think this, like we're talking about. It's your there's, mindset. There's a, you can take and, and also there's a mass market. I just, I don't, I just am not a fan of in any way. But if you don't like what someone's doing, just, it's not for you. Just don't do it. There's so many things that are not for me. And I think that's another thing I've learned growing up is, you you can't be good at everything you there's not enough time in the day for everything I know that you're a big big fan of of time and how you spend it there's not enough time in the day and I remember growing up when I sort of I realized do you know what like I'm not very I'm not a very good swimmer I can't ski I, I can't surf very well although for ages I thought I was quite a good surfer because I went on three trips and I thought I was all right I'm not I'm, I'm crap at tennis I'm okay at ping pong actually you know I went through things like why am I not good at anything um why did I do the piano for 15 years and now I'm now I can't do any of it and I really realized that I've just got to stop thinking 
I've got to do all these things. I can be crap all of them, but if I enjoy doing them, who's judging me? And maybe, you know, maybe I'm, maybe this is the time of my life where I do this. And maybe in my forties, I'm gonna pick up the piano again and write poetry again that no one will ever read and is my thing. And I think there's this, I, I, I sort of touched on it before, there's this race and I, and I don't want it. I don't want to be part of it and I've probably pushed myself too hard. I don't want to race anyone. I don't want to race myself. Yes, I love that. Oh my gosh, it's literally leading me on perfectly as <laughs> if you already knew. But also, you know, when you just said about every different thing, why am I not good at it? And you're listening about 10 different things. Do you realize as well that the, obviously you have so many skills, so many talents, but now I think we're celebrating the multi, you know, slashy, let's, every, yeah. let's, let's everyone be multifaceted, do everything, which is fantastic. However, there are some people who they had one skill, they're known for that skill. Think about some of the most incredible musicians or artists or actors or whoever in time, historians, scientists, they were known for one thing. It wasn't like, oh, look at Einstein. He's this incredible brain, but he's also a great painter and he's also <laughs> got great style and he's also an author. It's like, you can just be in your lane and just kill that thing. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you crap at tennis. What doesn't matter, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. fine. We have to be good at everything, which I'm probably saying this to everyone and myself. Exactly. I'm saying it to myself, I'm like, remember your own advice. But yeah, as I said, it leads me on perfectly as you're talking about then with time and not being in the race. My closing question to every single guest on this show is about time. And it is what is the most valuable thing that time has taught you? Wow. See, that is a big old deep question because I see it yeah what what has I've, I've sort of touched on it I guess is that um I think an important one is that this is my life and no one else is living it and I can do anything I want um as big or as little as I want and I'm really getting to know myself more and more and I'm really starting to like myself and I'm really starting to be easier on myself and I'm also really time has taught me um how how much I made things unfun for myself when I was younger and even last year potentially or even earlier this year and uh so one thing I'm really working on and you know you don't have to go and see a therapist you don't have to and there's obviously so many forms of therapy but working on yourself um being your own friend checking in on yourself. Like I told you, I like talking to myself. Sometimes I talk down to myself. Sometimes I argue with myself, but really like being your own cheerleader is super important. And so, um, you know, I, I'm in a relationship now, but I always know that I can be a better person, girlfriend, daughter when I'm have a bit of time to myself. My my instinct is always to be like, hey, everyone come around to my house and I'm gonna feed you. Cause I know I love that. But actually I've really allowed myself time now to just, be under the blanket get I get into bed in the middle of the day and get under the cover and I just be with myself and I and I've been I've I've allowed myself to enjoy that and not get lonely and not look for the next thing amazing thank you so much for sharing thank that. you and for anyone who's listening and loving this and wants to follow you online they want to find your books where can they follow you what's your yeah all the info and where can they get your new um, book eat happy so uh I'm at melissa.hemsley because there's another Melissa Hemsley on Instagram. And then I'm like Melissa Hemsley Cooks and stuff on Facebook. Um, and or there's melissahemsley.com and I send out a newsletter when I when I get around to it. Um, normally every month with lots of free recipes. And um, so yeah, you can go onto any of those and get tons of free stuff. If you like paper and like would like a book um my book's called eat happy and you can buy it anywhere and it's it's 120 30 minute recipes mainly ones you can um 
doing one pan and lots of leftovers because you know you know time is precious like yeah, we just said is, you might is. cook something today and it can be tomorrow's packed lunch or tomorrow's dinner so yeah easy easy stuff thank you so much for having me no thanks thank for coming you. in it's been wonderful and thank you everyone for listening as always i really really hope that you enjoyed this episode and remember to share this if you think that somebody would value from hearing melissa's message today then please share it with them you can rate and review over on itunes all of that good stuff thanks for listening have a great week see ya Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.